Hey girl, welcome to Purposefully Planted Podcast, hosted by Purposefully Tasha, where I share my story of how I am purposefully planted in the soil of Jesus Christ. Stay tuned for today's topic. Holla back. Welcome back to an amazing episode of Purposely Planted. Today, we're going to talk about um, what it means to be purposely planted, uh, how I came up with that name, and the the mindset, the mentality, the lifestyle behind it. And you guys know I waste no time, but I just want to let you guys know that you might hear some page flipping or some typing in the background because I'm checking out some notes. Um, So, boom, let's get started. Okay, so... Currently, you know, I live my lifestyle under the understanding that I am purposely planted by the creator of of the universe, God, by way of Jesus Christ. So, boom, let's get into it. Story time. So, um, I grew up in a absolutely loving single parent household by my mom who did the best that she could do while she was battling a severe bipolar disorder. Um, And she had four children that she was raising on her own out of my four siblings i'm the one that does not know my father and he doesn't even know that he has a daughter i am also the eldest of the four children so we lived in government housing um and we lived below the poverty line with this being said you know with this lifestyle you can imagine the type of things that um go on within this lifestyle and i began to feel like tumbleweed just being tossed to and fro um (laughs) rootless unanchored wandering um and losing a piece of me every time I changed directions I felt like I was always in transition I was always playing defense um the ball was never in my court um it was painful And so up until this point, my mom had had some minor psychotic episodes, but by the time I was in eighth, no, sixth grade in 2001, my mom had had another psychotic episode, but this episode was like none other that I have ever experienced. I'll spell you the major details, but what what I can say is that I do remember seeing her physically change. Um, and her voice changing, coming in and in and out of whatever spiritual, biological, mental situation she was coming in and out of. This psychop this psychotic episode started on a Friday in December of twenty two thousand and one and ended on um a Sunday. And on that Sunday, my mom had a whole episode where she had thrown my brother out and out the door who was less than one and began beating him um with an with a closed fist and I just remember just it was terrible I spare the details but it ended in my brother and I because I was the oldest child had to be helicopter flown um to shock trauma because of the injuries they believed he sustained so by I remember this was Sunday and by Monday I was back at school y'all And the word that got out about my mother's psychotic episode had gotten out and um, it felt like every corner I turned at school, um, every time I was in the hallway, in the lunchroom, that all eyes were on me. 
fingers pointed at me and I heard voices just saying, hi, hi, your mom tried to kill you. Your mom was crazy. Um, I felt so empty, but, and I felt like I just wanted to be filled. I just wanted to be filled. Um, so I allowed myself from the time I was in sixth grade, um, to the time until I was, um, in my freshman year of college, I allowed myself to be nomadic spiritually, mentally, and emotionally attaching myself to whatever would allow to whatever host would allow me to, whether that was a boyfriend, whether that was, um, you know, relations, relationships with, um, emotions, depression, suicide. I mean, whatever, whatever host would allow me to latch myself onto it. I held on to that thing. And in order to get my hands off of it, you had to pry it off with a wrench. Okay. I was not letting go because I felt like everything that I experienced, whether I liked it or not, it left me. So I held on to the boyfriends that cheated on me and I knew obviously were cheated on me. I held on to the friendships that my mama told me, girl, uh-uh, you don't need to be her friend. I held on to them. I held on to the emotions that I experienced. I held on to my greatest moments and my worst moments. And I held myself to my last, you know, greatest moment or worst moment to my last 20 point game or five point game, whatever it was, you know, I held myself onto it, never giving myself, you know, the opportunity to look ahead and choose what I wanted to receive. My hand was clenched, my eyes were closed, and I was just focused on on honing in on whatever it was that, you know, I experienced in the past. Okay, follow me. So, um, with that being said, I took all the people's opinions of me as my narrative and my identity and my purpose. And I felt like I had to fulfill what other people thought of me. So I began to make this fake image of myself. Um, that was a total lie and deceit. <laughs> Just living up to whatever people thought I was. Oh, she's cool. Oh, she drinks. Oh, she smokes. Oh, whatever it was that would get me attention and fill my empty cup. I just did it. Okay. Um, I felt unworthy. I felt rejected. I felt forgotten. I felt like I was meant for brokenness, doom and destruction. By the time I was in 12th grade, it was November of my 12th grade year. I remember in 2008, like it was yesterday. I was called to the office and they would said that my mother had another psychotic episode at the dentist. And from that point on, my life had changed. We had my siblings and I had been separated. Um, and it was just super traumatic <laughs> and it changed it changed my life forever <laughs> i felt so out of control of my own life um i felt out of control of the way that i saw things i felt out of control and the feelings of being bound for brokenness doom and destruction became intensified um, and I lived this way. I lived broken. I lived in rejection. I lived fickle. You could never know what Tasha you were going to get it depended upon who you were talking to or actually who I was talking to or who I was around. 
Um, it just wasn't stable. Definitely double-minded. Definitely just hot mess. Okay. So this continued until about December of 2010. My winter break from college. Um, my cousins and I decided to go to this New Year's party, New Year's Eve party. And I woke up on someone's bathroom floor. I was drunk, obviously. Woke up on someone's bathroom floor with tissue stuffed in my pants. And girl, I smelled so bad of urine. I couldn't stand it myself. The The nose piercing I had just got a couple days prior had come out. And again, there I was, empty, after spending my whole night before fulfilling someone else's understanding of who I was, trying to fill a void that was unquenchable, insatiable, by just fickle, futile, and the limited standards of people and understandings of people. Um, I was tired. I said, I just, in my head, I just, I just, I said, that's enough, it's enough. I can't do this no more. Like this hurts more than it ever feels good. So my, me and my cousins, or my cousins and I, we left. She took me back to her house and I hopped right in the shower. And it felt as if that shower was different than any other shower I had ever taken and would ever take again in my life. I just felt the <laughs> dirt and grind of other people's expectations of me, other people's understanding of who I was and even my own understanding of who I was just being washed off and down the drain. I just felt like I was being stripped um, of, of, of the weight of deceit. And I began to, to cry out to God and pour out to him all the contents of my heart. Um, everything that I had tried to fill myself up with to fill this unquenchable insatiable void I began to pour out um to him and I was honest with him I was angry I told him I asked him why you allowed me to be rejected and because you allowed me to be rejected God now I'm bitter I'm envious of people I'm jealous of people because I can't have what they have because I'm poor I'm at school and everybody's asking why I don't go out as much and why I don't do this as much because I don't have mommy and daddy giving me money to do what y'all do. I have to make it on my own. I felt abandoned. I told him, how dare you bring me into this world without a father? I was angry. The strife, the poverty, the anger, the deceit, the fear, the pain that if I was a good girl, <laughs> That good things will happen to me. Only that I got I got the straight A's. Um, I got I did what I was supposed to do with my mother. I did all those things and I was still poor. And I still felt like I lacked identity and purpose. And as I began to give them to him and really become honest and and undignified or whatever you want to call it before God, things I just felt a shift now that I'm thinking about it retrospect. I just felt a shift and things started to happen. A shift so big that I just cried out to God and I told him, look, I can't go back to school. I said, look, if I go back to school, they're going to expect me to be that same girl I left as and I'm not hurt anymore. And I don't want to be hurt anymore. And I need your help. I don't need to go back to school. <laughs> I went back to school, y'all, and I finished. But I really didn't want to go back because I didn't want that weight to be back on me. 
But if I really was going to be changed and I, and if I really wanted to see change, I had to be thrown back into the same fiery furnace that tried to burn me and come out without a stench of smoke. So what happened was, um, so from there again, that change began to happen internally and externally, um, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, it was a process. But I no longer felt nomadic without a home. I, I no longer felt unanchored. I, I, I began to feel myself <laughs> drawing closer and closer and closer to being anchored. I began to be able to string along common things and understandings and, and happenings in my life. And I saw how they, they pointed to one specific person. I began to understand that everything that I had gone through had worked out for my good and is working for my good. Although it wasn't God's perfect will for my life, it still worked out perfectly for the purpose that he had for me here. So I had to switch my understanding, understand how I was purposefully planted here on the earth. There were seven things that brought me to this understanding. Number one was my identity. I had to understand what type of seed I was. We know that not all seeds can grow in any type of environment, any type of climate, specifically not any type of soil. So I had to realize that I was a divine, a divine, a royal, a chosen, a pure, a holy, for God's own possession type of seed. And that type of seed is not going to flourish in the soil of this world because the culture of this world is not conducive to a seed that is identified as a divine, righteous, chosen, pure, royal priesthood type of seed, right? So that's one. I had to know my identity. So as I know my identity, I stopped trying to plant myself in the culture of this world. I understood that I came from kingdom culture. I'm in this world, not of this world. Planted purposefully in my identity. I then had to understand that because of my identity, my narrative had to change. That's number two, my narrative. The way that I spoke about myself, my story, even other people and their stories had to change. I had to, I no longer spoke as someone that was nomadic spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, but I spoke like somebody that belonged and not belong to anyone because again I wasn't planted in this world or planted in this world's culture and soil but I was planted in kingdom soil and culture so I spoke that way I speak chosen I speak like I'm royal I speak as though I'm righteous and holy and that I am my father's possession no longer do I speak from the vanish point where I believe I'm trash or a slave or a victim or broken or fearful or unworthy. I understand that everything is working to my, for my good. Even the things in my life that were that looked like they were going to break me and that should have broke me completely. 
They didn't because everything is working out for my good and my vantage point, the way I speak, the way I, the way I articulate myself and even others is from that vantage point. My narrative had to change. I am God's daughter, so I speak like God's daughter, boldly and sure. My yes is yes and my no is no. Okay? Then, and for number one, my identity, my scripture for that was 1 Peter 2 and 9. But you are a royal priesthood, a chosen, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood his own possession, that you may proclaim the places of him who brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And as you see from my story, that's exactly what happened. God brought me out of that deceit, out of that darkness, out of that misery. And he exposed me to the sun. Think of a plant and how it needs the sun. It's vital for the sun to, for the plant to grow. He exposed me to the sun. And because of the exposure to the sun, I was able to see the divine truth. And grow towards it. And consistently expose myself of it, to it. And for narrative, I used John 3, 14 through 18. And that says, Sorry, y'all. Give me one second. One second. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Looking back at my notes. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone believes may have eternal life in him. And I use that because <laughs> when God is lifted up as I speak, when I lift when I lift him up, it illuminates every area of my life and shows me the true meaning and the true purpose of every crevice, every dark corner in my life. It brings so much more meaning. It brings my meaning from temporary and short to everlasting and eternal, okay? And so the third thing is healing. I love y'all, I love the scripture, Leviticus 17, 11. And I'm gonna get it for you before I paraphrase. It says, I know when we get to a Leviticus, we um, kind of rush through it because it's long and it's all laws. But I just want to give you this. It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the souls. And this is the main scripture I use for this. And I know you could be like, girl, what you talking about? But <laughs> healing. I understand that the healing from my childhood trauma is not my responsibility, but my daddy's job. It, excuse me, that healing from my childhood trauma is my responsibility, 
but it's my daddy's job. It is my divine right, and he has already done it. So this scripture, how the scripture correlates for me is this. In this in this chapter of Leviticus, they're talking about sacrifices and what is an appropriate sacrifice and what isn't. And it says the life of the animal is in the blood. And let's think about the blood of Jesus that was that was slain on the cross for our sins. In that blood, what is there? Pure, it's pure, it's holy. Nothing that is diseased or diseased can penetrate it. Nothing that is injured, nothing that is flawed, none of those things can be sustained, can stay that way once they're covered with the blood. And just like me in my life, yes, I dealt with fatherless, fatherless less. Listness. Yes, I was a parentified child. Yes, I dealt with depression and suicidal thoughts. Yes, I sustained emotional and mental injury. Yes, healing is necessary for me. But my daddy already did it on the cross. And because I am his daughter and I'm covered by him, by Jesus, by the son, by the savior, excuse me. I know that it's already done. And I need to walk in it. And the healing is my responsibility. In being purposely planted in the soil of the Father, I know that as long as I keep my 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 leaves, my my flowers, my petals exposed and reaching towards the sun, that that healing process will be complete in me. It was complete on the cross, and it will be complete in me because of the blood next number four is rebuilding um for rebuilding i use um first peter 2 5 you get that for you It says, Yea, also as living stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. I'm built up. Like stones, I'm being built up to be that sacrifice for Jesus Christ. Acceptable to Jesus Christ. I'm built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. I'm being built up. Everything that I've experienced and will experience will be for the building up of me into what Christ, into the image of Christ, the image bearer of Christ. I know that I walk boldly in this position as a daughter with all power and authority because I am the spiritual house. I am the temple of God. It is a process where I take nonlinear steps to continually shift my point of view. The unforeseen and temporary situations and focus on allowing my father to use all of my life to continually reveal my true identity as his daughter rebuilding so i think of this as when the gardener comes into the garden and begins to clean the garden begins to pull out the weeds begins to trim back the leaves begins to prepare it for whatever season it's about to you know go into begins to remove you know the vines that could be choking the plant that's what i see as a rebuilding phase or the rebuilding, you know, 
point as God being the, the gardener that comes in the garden and continues to build me up so that I am ready for whatever season, whatever situation comes my way. Next is faith, Hebrews 11. And y'all know Hebrews 11 is lit, okay? And I know that it's by faith in Jesus that I can withstand this purpose transformation along with day-to-day life. I'm not telling you that it's going to be easy. I'm not telling you that it's going to be predictable. I'm not telling you as I know, just because I know I'm purposely purposefully planted doesn't mean I lack the emotions when my, my, my when my mother's doctor calls me and tells me you know that my mother needs x y and z procedure or that my mother tried to gouge her eyes out today or that you know whatever else is happening or the things that are happening in my own home in my own family as I'm juggling you know two toddlers as well as being my mother's legal guardian as well as people telling me how and which way I should do things I'm not telling you that it's easy, but by faith, which is anchored belief in Jesus, I know I have hope that I can withstand whatever things come my way. And I know that it's for purpose. It's not just to throw things at me, just to throw things at me, but it will make my roots run deep and my petals brighter (laughs) and my leaves just as green as ever. And I understand that that is my faith and that it's already done. Next is community. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Um, Community is absolutely important, y'all. It's absolutely essential to maintaining your identity, sustaining and rehearsing your true narrative. It provides an environment that promotes healing tools to rebuild and equipped to exercise my faith and let me tell you community is so important god describes us as the body of christ a community of organs working together to keep each other and the body alive and this is so important i know i'm purposefully planted and i know the community in which i surround myself with is important remember i said Every seed doesn't flourish in every type of soil. So with that being said, I have to put myself in the right soil so that I can be sustained and satiated. And even in the body, you need to work together. I need you all to know your purpose. And I need you guys to know that you're purposefully planted so we can all work together. That doesn't leave the weight of it on you, but it leaves the responsibility of it on you because God's going to do it. But it's your responsibility to play your role in your community, because when you play your role in your community, you extinguish everything before you or every situation before you that did not play their role. And from your life forward, you change the trajectory of that organ that you represent of that crop on that farm that you represent. And you provide the nutrients that only you can provide to the people that need it. Community is so important. 
in my community now compared to my community back in 2011 or 2010 is different. My friends and my family are just so amazing. And so I need you to understand how you're purposefully planted, just like I am. Because when you're purposefully planted, you know that you're loved. And whatever is loved is is just able to love other things and make other things better. Think about a person that's loved. And how they are and how they think of themselves and how they think of others. And think about a person that feels rejected and how they think of themselves and how they think and treat of others. Think of a home that is loved. It's well kept. It's stewarded well. It's cleaned. It's maintenanced. And think of a home that no one cares about. They don't fix things. Things might be broken. They just paint over it, do whatever, put a bandage on a broken bone. They never really do the inner work to the house that is needed to sustain its value. That is why community is important. Okay. And number seven is purpose. Okay, Romans 8.30. Purpose, dominion was carefully grafted on the inside of you to be God's daughter, Periasus, to make his name great with every gift and talent and season in which he releases you to. And so purpose is so important. Your purpose is to glorify God with every fiber in your being. Sometimes we get so caught up in our function and our ability that we reject our purpose. I don't care. If you have the ability to do so many things like myself, let me get back on myself. I am multi-talented and because of that, sometimes my talents can become a distraction when I don't surrender them to the direction and the authority of my father. If my father says, Tasha, right now I need you to speak. And because I don't understand my purpose is to glorify God, I'd be like, no, I think right now I need to... um dance but when you understand your purpose is to glorify God regardless of what you think or feel or anybody else thinks or feels about you to be true you know what your daddy said and when your daddy says speak you speak with authority and boldness because his his thoughts and his feelings towards you trump what anybody else even yourself think about you because we know our hearts We know our hearts. They ain't right. (laughs) They ain't right. Sometimes they're motivated by the wrong things because we are in this world and we're constantly consumed by the things of this world. But we can trust that when when our father says speak, we know it's time to speak. And so this is my story and my understanding and my principles to being purposefully planted. Number one is identity. Number two is narrative. Number three is healing. Number four is rebuilding. Number five is faith. Number six is community. And number seven is purpose. 
With that being said, I am ready to give you guys a jump start on 2021. You know how the cars come out and be like, here's the 2020, 2021 Ford Equinox or whatever. And it's still 2020. Well, I'm doing that for you. 2021 Purpose Challenge. We don't have to wait for the new year. We don't have to wait for anything. The only thing we need to wait on is God. We wait on him when we serve him. And so I'm just challenging you, anyone that needs to to be reminded, that needs community, that needs to be rebuilt, that needs faith, that needs healing, that needs identity check, that needs a narrative check, to join me on this 2021 Purpose Challenge as I serve as your purpose trainer to, to launch you to surrender you to 2021 in purpose. We ain't gonna be caught off guard again. We'll be ready for anything that is thrown at us because our mind will be changed. So anyway, I dare you to join me on this challenge. You can find the link to join me on the challenge in the show notes, or you can go to my website, um, bit.ly backslash purposefully Tasha and join the challenge. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Purposefully Planted. And next episode, we will be taking identity and breaking it down. Thank you. Enjoyed you. Peace out.